this is working, right now it is. Good morning to all of you. What a blessing it is to worship alongside you. This morning we had a great time at the breakfast and we were able to share with more details what the Lord has been doing in the last two, three years. I'm so happy to be with my wife, Sara, on this trip. Thank you, Pastor Rod. Thank you, Pastor Ryan, for inviting us to celebrate this Sunday. I was here 2020, that first Sunday before COVID, and we have lasting memories of that moment when this relationship started and when eventually Pastor Manuel was sent and we joined forces in planting Iglesia Ciudad de Gracia. Buenos dias, Gospel Hope Español. Es bueno estar con ustedes también en esta mañana. So we're happy to be able to share God's word this morning. But I do want to express how grateful we are for Gospel Hope for having sent Pastor Rod along with his wife Carrie to speak at our second anniversary this last weekend. And we really enjoyed his preaching ministry to us. We were very encouraged. Thank you, Pastor Rod, and challenged at the same time, just like every time Pastor Ryan has come down to preach to us and train us in the DR. We jokingly told Pastor Rod that it will be awesome and a huge blessing that he will also come down every year. So maybe the Lord will provide and we will also have you continue to minister to us. But uh, both of your pastors are tremendous men of God and we are forever indebted to them and their leadership, but also to you for how much you have invested in our lives and also so that the gospel can spread in the Dominican Republic, in the Caribbean, and around the world. I'm so excited. I got to know Ben Canfield this Friday when he picked me up and when he started sharing everything the Lord is doing in his life. I can't wait to go to Puerto Rico and also in different ways also serve with him. So we'll be praying for you, Ben. Uh, and somehow, some way, since we're so close, we know we're going to find ways to work also with that church plant in the future. So God is moving in the Caribbean. And we praise the Lord for what he's doing. But I know he's working here in Atlanta because we have seen it. And we have sensed and felt God's presence among you. And we surely will love to see many of you come down to Dominican Republic like that last trip that Tyler led and some of you came and ministered close to the border of Haiti where there are needy communities and they were able to serve them and also share the gospel. Pastor Manuel and Pastor Karel, the other pastors of Ciudad de Gracia, they also send their greetings. And as pastors all together, we want to express our profound gratitude for your faithful prayers. We cannot do it without your help. So thank you so much for your faithful financial support and also for the training that we continue to receive from your pastors every year. So God is doing wonderful things in us and through us and we're excited for what's coming, for what God has in store. And we are running right now, I shared this earlier at the breakfast time, we're running around 180 in attendance. So the new space that we have in Santo Domingo right now, 
Even when we put additional plastic chairs, it's not enough for us. So we're looking into starting a second service. So pray for us because we don't, we don't have the workers right now to be able to do this. But we're excited because if the Lord has led us so far, we believe he will continue to provide and help us through. So last Sunday, I need to tell you, Pastor Rod inspired us with a sermon in Acts 17. And I love the way the Lord led him to speak to us because he's, he exhorted us in Dominican Republic to become a force to be reckoned with. Believing that God wants the Dominican Republic to become a, domin a dominant force with the gospel. Just like the Dominican Republic is a dominant force with baseball. And that illustration right there really impacted all of us because we are a third world country. And even then, we have seen in God's common grace that he has allowed our country to be great in baseball. But I know and we know that God is more interested in that our country will become a sending nation. A nation that develops, trains, and sends people all around the world with the gospel. So thank you again, Pastor Rod, for allowing God to use you and... Um, I know because I was following on YouTube that you started a new series. And I actually watched Ben preach that encouraging first sermon last week. And it's my hope that I can build on what he already started. And I would like to invite you to read Psalm 67 along with me. And then we'll pray and then we'll ask the Holy Spirit for his ministry. Psalm 67, verses 1 through 7 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Lord, we humble our hearts this morning. Believing in the mysterious power of your word. We know that your word is alive. And every time we open it, the Holy Spirit works in our consciences and in our minds and in our hearts with the sole purpose that we will embrace Jesus. And Jesus will become our king. And Jesus will reign our lives. And he will, he will restore what sin destroyed. And this morning, Lord, we need you. We want to celebrate your heart, which is a sending heart. And we want to follow your heart in becoming a sending church, a people who love out of the sake of your glory and of your eternal purposes so that you will redeem that people for your son, Jesus Christ, and that you will use us. So this morning, Lord, I call upon the ministry of your Holy Spirit because I can't do it on my own. And your people need him, not me. They need your spirit to change their minds and change their hearts. So please visit us, I pray in Jesus' name. 
Many of us, at some point, have probably heard the story of that Scottish missionary named Eric Little. Maybe you've even watched that well-known 1981 classic movie portraying his life and ministry called Chariots of Fire. Eric Little had a God-given talent as a runner, as a sprinter, and this led him to become a professional athlete. He was known as the Flying Scotsman. But he shocked the world when in 1924 he refused to run the 100-meter race in the Olympics in Paris, a race that everyone thought that he would win. And he withdrew from that race because it was scheduled on a Sunday. And he was convinced that God did not want him to take the day of the Lord to do that. And because of this, Little considered running the 400 meters Olympic race and in an incredible turns of events, he went on to win a gold medal. And in the process, he broke a world record. Eric, like many of us, had an ability a God-given ability, a natural gift that God in his manifold common grace has given to all of us in different ways, in a variety of forms, for we have been created in his own image. And Eric recognized his ability and he sought to develop it. And God gave him the incredible gift of speed and he humbled himself to use it to use that talent for the kingdom of God, to use it as a platform, as an avenue to preach the gospel. And many came to know Jesus Christ because of his testimony. But a year later, Eric decided to end his racing career at one last championship in 1925, and he swept the competition, winning the 100-meter, the 220-meter, and the quarter-mile races. And at that moment in his life, the Lord made it so clear to him that God wanted him to give up his running career and the fame that came with it in order for him to become a missionary to China. As a runner... And as a full-time missionary, Eric recognized that all of us as believers have been called to live on mission. He said, and I'm quoting Eric, we're all missionaries. Wherever we go, either we bring people nearer to Christ or we repel them from Christ. And he recognized this important truth that you right now while you are sitting and you're listening to God, you also need to recognize that our lives are like a vapor, that we only have a very short time on this world and that we must, we must use the remaining days of our lives to further the kingdom of God around the world. But part of our problem, part of our problem is that we have turned the created things of this world into gods. We've turned the pleasures of this life into idols. And we have downgraded God. 
We have replaced God. We have committed the two great evils that prophet Jeremiah spoke about. We have forsaken Christ, the pearl of great price, the fountain of living waters, and we have sought after vanity and we have become vain and empty. We dug out for ourselves broken cisterns and sadly those cisterns have not hold water. And that's why Eric so soberly said, many of us are missing something in life because we are after the second best. I put before you what I have found to be the best. One who is worthy of all our devotion. His name is Jesus. He is the savior of the young and old. And he said, Lord, here am I. Here am I. Little understood that each one of, the, each one of us is choosing what race we will run and what price we will pursue. Today, God wants you to seriously consider where your heart is today. Jesus himself said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And Psalm 67 wants your heart to be conformed to God's own heart. Psalm 67 is guiding us to pray for world missions. But it's not a prayer for others to get involved in missions. It's a prayer for you to develop a mission-minded heart. None of us have hearts that naturally conform to God's heart. To develop that kind of heart, it requires a work of grace in us. It's part of the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit in us, changing us to value, to desire, and to pursue what God values, what God treasures. And what we're going to learn this morning, dear brothers and sisters, is that mission-minded hearts are developed through mission-minded prayers. Mission-minded hearts are developed through mission-minded prayers. We ask and we do not receive because we ask for the wrong things. We ask for things that will not last, to spend them on our sinful pressures. But I tell you, the Holy Spirit is in the business of teaching us how to pray and how to pray correctly. Prayer my brothers and sisters, is a means of grace. And God imparts transforming grace to those who ask for grace. And if you learn to authentically pray, if you learn to sincerely pray, if you learn to genuinely ask God, pleading him to change you, to transform you, and to conform you to his own heart, the God of all grace will indeed give you abundance of grace. <laughs> Psalm 67 is guiding you and me to pray to conform ourselves to God's heartbeat.
And you know what? God's heartbeat is for the salvation of the world. The reason why God has not brought this world to an end is because God had, he purposed to form a people for himself out of all this sinful humanity from all generations throughout human history. God the Father, in eternity past, he promised his son Jesus Christ that he will give him a people from every tongue, nation, and tribe. And the means to rescue them is through all of us as a church, functioning as a kingdom of priests, sent around the world, mediating and dispensing his saving grace through the foolishness of proclaiming the reconciling hope of the gospel. So gospel hope, when Jesus saved you, when Jesus rescued you, he called you to be his royal priesthood so that you will work with him and for him proclaiming the excellencies of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And there is a big idea in this psalm that we can summarize, understand, and apply in this way. Since God saved us to use us as a kingdom of priests, mediating his saving grace to the world, you and I must continually pray for our hearts to surrender to the mission of God's kingdom. You and I need to pray. Prayer is the means that God will use to develop a mission-minded heart so that instead of pursuing the temporal things of this world, your heart will be devoted and passionate after pursuing what lasts, what lasts for eternity. And what lasts for eternity is God's kingdom in you and through you. So it was God's desire for Israel to be God's instrument in the Old Testament as kingdom of priests to proclaim the grace of God to all the nations in the ancient world. And in the same way, God is calling all the New Testament believers to do the same. In the Old Testament, God wanted Israel to proclaim the grace of God through symbols, through shadows of temple worship, through the temporal pictures of animal sacrifices that were pointing to the real and ultimate sacrifice of the Lamb of God, of that promised Messiah that was coming soon into the world. So when Jesus came, he became the incarnated Lamb of God. He became the only means whereby sinners can come to God and it was necessary for him to live a perfect life. It was necessary for the Son of God to die at the cross as the perfect sacrifice, as the only and once and for all payment for our sins. And it was necessary for him on the third day to be raised from the dead for us. In the Old Testament, all the nations came to the temple in Jerusalem to understand and see the prophetic picture of the grace of the gospel. In the New Testament, God sends his church to the nations to preach the fulfillment of the gospel of grace in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And until, and until Christ returns, we have been called. We have been set apart as a kingdom of priests. We have been sent out to proclaim the saving grace of the gospel. So gospel hope, the Lord's hand is not shortened 
that he cannot longer save. God is in the enterprise. He is in the business of saving sinners. And he wants to use you. He wants to use this local church to complete the number of those whom since eternity past he chose to give to his son Jesus. Last week, Brother Ben introduced this new sermon series, Preaching on Psalms 100. In a very creative way, I really enjoy this, he explained to us that the book of Psalms is like a tour bus guiding us on how to pray. And he reminded us that each psalm is calling us to practice one or more of the four R's, which are reverence, response, request, and readiness. And Psalm 100 was a tour on reverence, on how to worship and thank God. But now, Psalm 67 is a tour bus on how to request, on how to ask for what God really wants, what God truly wants for us, for his kingdom to come to our lives, for his kingdom to come into this world. But we may also conclude that Psalm 67 is a tour bus on readiness because God wants us to be ready to surrender. He wants us to be ready to surrender so that our lives will live on the mission of establishing the kingdom of God in all the nations. So if you look closely to the content of Psalm 67, you will notice that it wants to teach us three major requests that all of us should constantly pray so that our hearts will surrender to the mission of God's kingdom. So the first request that you and I should pray is a request for divine empowerment. We need to pray for divine empowerment. That's how the Psalms begin. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. And if you notice verse 1, it starts with a well-known prayer of the book of Numbers. It is the priestly prayer that Aaron was taught by Moses as a high priest to pray for the nation of Israel. This prayer is found in Numbers 6, verses 23 to 26. And it says, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And the language of Verse 1 is almost identical to this general request of God's blessing upon the nation of Israel. But in Psalm 67, that prayer for blessing is specifically applied in order so that the people of God will be empowered to fulfill our calling as a nation of priests to mediate God's grace into the world. We should be praying, oh Lord. Be gracious to us. Bless us, Lord. Make your face shine upon us so that we may be your instruments to preach the gospel of grace and your saving power will manifest on the nations. The terminology may change a bit here, but the essence of the request is the same. 
And the calling for you and I is to surrender to the mission that God has called us. We ask for his blessings. We ask for his favor. We ask for his power, but not to spend it on our sinful pleasures, but to spend it pursuing God's heart, God's passion, God's goal to form a kingdom for himself. The prayer request is for divine empowerment so that we will obey, so that we will respond to the call to go and live on mission. And this reminds me of the mission Abraham gave his servant Eliezer in Genesis 24. You may recall the story when Abraham told his servant to go find a wife for his son Isaac from within his kindred and not from the daughters of the Canaanites. And if you think through what Abraham was concerned about, he was concerned for the kingdom of God. And the mission he gave his servant had to do with the mission of God, with the promise that through the seed of Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And according to this story, it was interesting and a challenging mission to fulfill, right? And what did Eliezer, Abraham's servant, did? How did he respond to this great task of going to a place that he did not know to find this spouse for his son? He prayed. He prayed. And according to 24, chapter 24, verses 12 to 15, Eliezer obeyed his master's mission while recognizing the greatness of his endeavor and the weakness of him as a servant, he prayed, he prayed. He prayed to the Lord and he said, oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar and, de and that I may drink. And who shall say drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant, I say, by this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. And verse 15 says, before, wow, this is amazing, before he had finished praying, before he finished speaking, behold, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. Abraham's servant, Eliezer, he prayed. He prayed for divine empowerment. His prayer included a request for divine leading, for divine provision, for divine success. Whenever Eric Little used to run, he prayed. Eric used to say, I have no formula for winning the race. Everyone runs in her, in her own way or his own way. And where does the power come? Where does the power come to see the race to its end? He said, from within. Jesus said, behold, 
the kingdom of God is within you and with all your hearts. If you truly seek God, you shall surely find him. And if you commit to the love of Christ, then you will also see that you run a straight race. Eliezer prayed for God's power to help him. For God's power to direct him. For God's power to provide for him. For God's power to give him the success of accomplishing the enormous task that Abraham asked of him. And if God, let me tell you this, if God empower Eliezer in the Old Testament. And if God empower Eric Little in the New Testament, he can surely empower you if you ask him. Oh, his grace, his abundant grace is available for you and I. Is available so that if you ask of his power, if you ask with humility and dependence, if you call upon the Lord wanting to please him and glorify him, if you pray that same power that led Eliezer and led Eric to live life for the glory of God and accomplish the mission that God called him, that same power will lead you. That same power will provide for you. That same power will give you the success that you need in today. I remember when I was 16 years old, I heard a dear brother named Ethan Levine who came on a mission trip to our country. He came from a Christian college, same college that Ryan went to. And they were working with the youth group that week. And I remember it was a Friday night, 1997. I remember how Ethan got up and spoke from Romans 12, 1 and 2. And this is what God showed me in his word that night. That my response to the mercies of God, my rational and reasonable response to the sacrifice that Jesus made for me at the cross should be for me to surrender my life. To consecrate my body as a living sacrifice for him. And I remember, I didn't know much. I knew I was a believer. But the Holy Spirit was working in me. And that night, with a basic but very clear understanding of what Jesus did for me. Just like you know, you can think of it. Remember the basic understanding of what God has done for you in Christ. That night, I sincerely prayed to the Lord and I said, Lord, here's my life. Take it. I gave up my plans. I surrender my future to you, all my ambitions, all my abilities. I give to you the little I have, but just use me. Just use me as you please for the mission and for your kingdom. And that sincere and that humble prayer, I tell you, became a life transforming prayer. God started to lead me in ways that I never saw. He guided my steps. He changed my desires. He gave me a burden 
He opened doors for me. He clarified my spiritual gifts. He showed me exactly how he wanted to use me. And I tell you, dear brother and dear sister from Gospel Hope, that if God empowered and used Eliezer, and if he empowered and used Eric Little, and if God empowered and used this weak and humble servant that is in front of you, I know and I am confident that if you ask him this morning, if you sincerely pray that he will empower you and you consecrate and surrender your life, he will do the same with you like he did with me. So the first major request that we should pray so our hearts will surrender to the mission of God's kingdom is a request for divine empowerment. But there is a second request and it's a request for gospel proclamation. Gospel proclamation. Look at verse 2. They ask for blessing. They ask for God's favor. So that your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. And if you include verse 7, it says, God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. And we ask for divine empowerment. So our hearts will be surrendered and willing so that we will become God's instruments. But our prayer for divine empowerment must be accompanied with a constant request for gospel proclamation. Jesus said in Acts 1.8 that we will receive power through the Holy Spirit with the sole purpose that we may become his witnesses. So that we may go to all nations and proclaim the saving power of the gospel. Verse 2 of this psalm implies that we ask if we ask for God's grace, blessing, and favor, we do it so that his way, the way of salvation, may be known on earth. And his saving power will be displayed and manifested among the nations. The task of missions is the task of gospel proclamation. We were consecrated by Jesus to serve him in the ministry of reconciliation. All believers in Christ have been commissioned to gospel mission. God entrusted us with the message. And that is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against us, and entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us on behalf of Christ, we implore the world through the gospel proclamation to be reconciled with God. So missions is the reaching of the lost through gospel proclamation. And wherever lost people are, there is a mission field. There is a mission field in your neighborhood. There is a mission field in your own family. There is a mission field in your workplace. There is a mission field in your city. Yes, there is a mission field in every nation of the world. And God is calling us to develop a burden, a concern, a compassion towards those who are lost in their sins. And right now, the only way for them to be saved from forever be 
separated from God is through gospel proclamation. So God is calling us to carry out the ministry that will allow sinners to be reconciled, to be forgiven, to be saved. And that message is about Christ and Christ alone. So this is why we need to pray. Because it's not about how clever we are. It's not about how knowledgeable we are of the scriptures. It's not about how well we can speak the gospel with great rhetorical skills that we can articulate the gospel. Gospel proclamation has nothing to do with human ability or skill or power. Gospel proclamation is all about the power of the Holy Spirit being manifested through you whenever you open your mouth to proclaim a simple presentation or a deep apologetic presentation. We need gospel hope to depend on the supernatural manifestation of the convincing and regenerating power of the Holy Spirit when we preach the gospel. And how do we get that power? We pray. How we get that power? We ask. Do you remember what happened in the early church when they pray? In Acts 4, 8 to 31, when they encounter opposition from the religious leaders, charging them not to speak or teach in the name of Christ, how did the disciples respond to the threats? How did they respond to the opposition to the gospel in their time? They prayed. They prayed. And we too live in a world that is hardened by sin, is hardened by the devil, a world that more and more doesn't want us to speak freely the truth of the gospel. They have great pride and bitterness, just like we were before the Lord saved us. So what are we going to do when we live in a very hostile world that needs salvation but doesn't want to recognize that they need it? What are you and I going to do? The Bible reminds us that we need to pray. And that is exactly what Peter and John led the entire church to do when they were called to proclaim the gospel to their generation and to their context. The Bible says that they came together in Acts 4, verse 24, and when they heard the opposition, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples of the world plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointing. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they have prayed. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So do you see? Yes, 
we need to grow in our understanding of the gospel. It's true. We need to be able to preach and present a clear message of the gospel of grace, of how God made his son who knew no sin to become sin for us so that he will carry our guilt, so that he will pay the penalty at the cross, so that through him we can become innocent, righteous before God and be declared by grace in Christ, son and daughters of the most high, but more than gospel clarity. We need gospel boldness because it is the boldness that makes us speak clearly. It is the boldness of the Holy Spirit that manifests through our minds and hearts and uses us to reach those who are lost for Christ. This is what God is telling us. If we pray for gospel boldness through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we will also receive gospel clarity because salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit in people's hearts. It is the Spirit who convicts of sin. It is the Spirit who convicts of righteousness and judgment. It is the Spirit who enlightens the mind, repelling all darkness. It is the Spirit who regenerates and brings the soul to repentance and faith and takes him from death to life. So where are you going to go, Gospel Hope? In whom are you going to depend? Who are you going to call gospel hope? I propose to you this morning that what you desperately need is to pray for the Holy Spirit to give you boldness to proclaim the gospel message starting today. I am convinced that the same spirit who shook the ground where the disciples stood in Jerusalem is also willing He's also willing to shake the grounds of this church in Atlanta and fill all of you with the boldness of the Spirit to reach this lost world for Christ. God can open the heart of your husband. He can open the hearts of your children. He can save your neighbors and co-workers if you pray. If you pray that God will do that work and he pray that God will give you the boldness that you don't have in yourselves. And you will be amazed on how the Holy Spirit will fill you with ability, will fill you with skill to be able to present the gospel in creative ways that you not even before thought you were able to do. But there is one more request that we should pray so our hearts will surrender to the missions of God's kingdom and is a request for kingdom transformation. We should request for divine empowerment. We should request for gospel proclamation. But finally, you and I need to request for kingdom transformation. Do you notice verse 3, how the psalmist got really excited. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded it in grace. God, our God, shall bless us. You know what's happening in the psalmist's heart and prayer? The more God is changing him, the more he's thinking about the kingdom of God. And the psalmist desires now more than any other treasure in this life. He desires that all nations will experience the transformation power of the gospel. 
that all peoples and all nations, even to the ends of the earth, will enjoy the blessings that come from the reconciliation power of the gospel. So where the Spirit of God comes and where the Spirit of God dwells, there is peace, there is joy, and there is prosperity. Those who are born again through the Holy Spirit by believing in the blood of Jesus Christ, they experience a kingdom transformation that God also desires the entire world to taste and see and enjoy. The psalmist is praying in a prophetic vision when he sees the gospel transforming families, communities, cities, and nations that all peoples from all nations will become worshipers of the one true God, will also enjoy the delight of desiring their creator and savior as the greatest treasure in their lives, that all peoples and nations will enjoy the blessings of Jesus reigning as king of their hearts. For when Jesus reigns, when Jesus reigns in a family, when Jesus reigns in a community, when Jesus reigns in a city and in a nation, the kingdom has transforming power. And that's exactly what we want. That's exactly what we should desire for our lives, our personal lives to be transformed, our families to be restored, our communities to change, our nations to be blessed. Yes, we should desire to vote for human leaders who might contribute to the well-being of our nation. Yes, we can do a lot of efforts and we can alleviate the pain of those who are suffering and those who are lacking and they are needy. Yes, we can pursue education ourselves. Yes, we can train others to do the best they can and pursue education and take advantage of all the opportunities in life. Yes, we can promote the welfare and peace of our cities. But all of these things... Though they are good in and of themselves, ultimately none of them can bring lasting and eternal transformation to people's hearts and to the world. That's why you and I need to pray for the gospel to be the means whereby the kingdom of God comes. And when the kingdom of God comes, when people are sent into the world, communities, cities, nations are transformed. We might be thinking of kingdom transformation in other people's lives. But we should be praying for kingdom transformation to start in our lives. And that's exactly what happened in Acts 4. After they pray and God gave them boldness to continue preaching the gospel, the transformation power of God's kingdom manifested in the lives of the church. In Acts 4, 32 to 37, it says, Now the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Verse 34, there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. And laid all at the apostles' feet. And it was its tribute to each as any had need. And yes... We can promote laws that take care of the needy. We can, as a church, develop many ministries to help the needy. But at the end of the day, what we need is our hearts to change. 
Because when our hearts are changed and the gospel transforms our minds and hearts by submitting to to King Jesus as king, then we're not only going to be able to do God's works, we're going to be able to glorify the Lord and be used as instruments for other lives, other communities, other cities, other nations to be transformed. And that reminded me of what the Lord did when I served the Lord in the community of Pika Pika for 18 years. When the gospel was preached there, we were able to reach many kids because we started with a VVS. And one of the first kids that God reached for the gospel, his name was Leo. And eventually also another girl named Janice. And what we didn't know is how the gospel can transform a community by Jesus reigning in their minds and hearts. And what God did with Leo, he plucked him out of a family culture where his mom was a prostitute. And because of the saving power of the kingdom of God coming to his life, he did not repeat the cycle of sin that destroyed his family and his community. But the kingdom of God brought sovereign sobriety to his mind and heart. He was able to submit to Jesus and obey Jesus. And God not only saved his soul, but also brought him out of poverty because he was able to finish his studies. He was able to go to college and the Lord transformed his life by calling him to be a servant of God. And he not only became a deacon and then a youth leader, he also became the pastor of the former church that I used to preach and pastor at. So the gospel, it is the gospel who brings kingdom transformation. And this morning, my heart is just like yours. My heart is easily distracted, so easily deviated, so easily deceived to follow other passions, to pursue other ambitions, to build other kingdoms that are not related to God's kingdom. And I plead with you, gospel hope this morning, pray this prayer. Pray these three major requests so that your mind and your heart will become mission-minded. We're all in a race, Gospel Hope. It doesn't matter how you started the race. What's important is how you finish the race. Eric Little died at a very young age. He died of 43. And that reminds you and I that life is short. What are you searching for? What are you pursuing after? What are you praying for? This life is short. We don't know how many more years and days we have on this earth. That's why today is the day of consecration. Today is the day of surrender. Today is a day that we all must decide whether we're going to start living on God's mission. And I plead with you to pray like this. Lord. I am nothing, I am no one, but you said that you delight to use the weak and the low of the world to shame the strong and the mighty, that you glory in using things that are not to bring nothing things that are so, so that no one will boast and all the glory will be to you. So here am I, Lord, use me, the little I am, the little I have. And I am convinced that you can use this week's servant 
in great and mighty ways for your glory and for your kingdom. Just show me. Just lead me. Just use me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.